You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the good old days. You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Coach Lisa Schwaller. Each week on the podcast, we talk about how you can rise above the stress of modern living so that you can focus your energy on what matters most and have a lot more fun in the process. All right, let's get started. Come on in. So, are you a nostalgic person? I know there are people who are almost like multi-generationally nostalgic, you know, people who love vintage fashion or decor. There are people who are very nostalgic about their past and talk about their past. Throw rose-colored glasses, as I say. And there are some people who are not nostalgic at all. In fact, I used to consider myself, I guess I would say I'm nostalgic about the stories and the experience, but I'm not nostalgic about stuff. I'm the kind of person who chucked out her yearbooks because I was like, eh, been there, done that, moving forward. But there are some people who are very nostalgic. And I never really considered myself all that nostalgic until I started having teenagers and was thinking about their life as teenagers and coming to age in this world as we know it, contrasted to or compared to what it was like to be a teenager in my era. So whether it's thinking about social norms or the things that we took for granted or just even the way our day-to-day life worked, it's really interesting to think of my teenagerdom in the 80s and their teenagerdom now. This episode came to be when one evening I said the B-52s and my children said, oh, the airplane? And I said, no, the B-52s. And they were like, yeah, ma, it's an airplane. I'm like, I know it's an airplane. But it also happens to be one of the most quirky and charming and creative bands of my adolescence. (laughs) So we went out to YouTube and watched The Love Shack. And then we went down a rabbit hole dire straits, money for nothing. Like my 18-year-old was like, what is this? I don't understand. And I'm like, it's kind of like Minecraft. It's like an inspiration for Minecraft. He's like, it's nothing like it. Okay, maybe it is. And what's the dog have to do with it? He was like, you know, verklempt with this whole dire straits music video. We probably spent about 45 minutes together. And I've shown them things throughout the years. They've seen Paul Simon's Betty, you can call me L. And they didn't quite understand why Chevy Chase's appearance in that video was so incredibly charming for my generation. But it spawned an interesting conversation around being a teenager and what you get exposed to and the lasting imprint it makes. And I have studied this before. I've studied a lot of brain development over uh, men and women and children. So I've been aware that there is this period of maximum novelty that seems to like code in a lot of our firsts. But I didn't realize this is something that has come up more in the literature in the last few years is this thing they that scientists call the reminiscence bump. 
And I've linked in the show notes to a, a couple of places where you can learn what I've recently learned about the reminiscence bump. And that is defined as the tendency for middle-aged and elderly people to access more personal memories from approximately the ages of 10 to 30. And I think this is fascinating because, of course, I started to think about the reminiscence bump as I'm in middle age. I'm noticing an odd sort of nostalgia for my teen years, and I'm seeing it in my peers. I started to get curious, how does this impact our decision making and how does this influence the way we have stress or fun experiences in our life. So I always think of everything from the less stress, more fun lens. And then I found an amazing article that really, it really stuck with me is the reminiscence bump and what was the greatest year in your country. So there's an article in the show notes about, it's called The Reminiscence Bump, Why America's Greatest Year Was Probably When You Were Young. It was such a fascinating article because they talk about how politicians will talk about the good old days, the olden times. You know, there was a certain politician in the 90s who was talking, he always referred to himself in the third person, Bob Dole. Bob Dole talked a lot about family values and back in the olden days and things in our country used to be. And we see current politicians also using that and having catchphrases that may be sewn onto red hats that talk about this concept of there was greatness, but it's not today. It was then. And if you choose me for the job of helping set policy for your country, we will reinstate or reinstore that goodness that was before but is no more. I was thinking how incredible that is. And so when you think about like, if I were to ask you whether you're 12 or 20 or 72, what was the best year for your country? It is highly likely due to the reminiscence bump that you would choose a year that falls between your age 10 and 30. Fascinating. Because if you had asked me before I did the research for this episode, I would have had it the same answer. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about the reminiscence bump, that period in our life between the ages of approximately 10 to approximately 30, where we make the most powerful, lasting, colorful vivid memories. There is a concept that scientists label childhood amnesia. So chances are, I could ask you, what is the greatest year of your country? And you would probably remember a certain time. But if I asked you, what were you, you know, what was your mom having for lunch when you were 10 days old? You'd have no memory of that. So there's a concept of childhood amnesia, and it's even beyond like when language comes on board, um, some people have very, very early childhood memories and some of them, you know, maybe it might be four five or six before you have your first memory. And then we are exposed, obviously, in childhood, we have all of these brain functions that are coming online as our brain grows and develops and then we get to a point where we start having language and having, you know, 
certain types of social interactions. And then we just go into this period, this 10, 15, 20 year period of firsts. Everything is new. Everything is novel. There can be aspects of all this novelty that contribute to this time period in the reminiscence bump. When you think of things that are highly sensory, that are also like maybe something really unexpected or something like like music, it's it's got a very interesting sensory experience for us. And it may be very social or certain foods. Thinking about the things that you remember most when you call to mind being 14 or 18, what immediately jumps to mind? And music can literally take us across the generations or across the decades, I mean. Let's talk about the reminiscence bump and how it might influence decisions. So we may be in the middle of this high storage or this high sensory period. Like if you're listening to this and you're 18, for example, you're right in the middle of what will later be your reminiscence bump. Or maybe you're in your 60s and you're listening and you are noticing that sense of heightened awareness of that time period in your memories. So how does the reminiscence bump influence decisions? Who knows? Nobody has studied this. I did look, but I was just pondering what I know from personal experience and, and the training and, and information I've gathered from primary sources and secondary sources. I do think the reminiscence bump influence our decision-making in the most basic way. Because the past seems familiar and the future seems uncertain. And that's because they are. The past is familiar. You've been there. You've traveled that road. I was uh, at a, at Ikea with my kid the other day. I don't go to, there is one in Houston where we live. I don't go that often. Um, it's a, it's like a twice a decade kind of thing for me. <laughs> I don't really, I'm not much of a shopper, but we went because there were a few things we wanted to take a look at and we went through and then I needed to backtrack because I missed something I was looking for. And of course they kind of changed the layout a little bit since I was there five years ago or whatever. And so we were backtracking and I said to him, I said, you know, you ever notice like when you backtrack and then travel, it's like it seems faster the second time you travel a path than the first time. And, you know, he looked at me like I was loony, but I don't think I'm alone in this. Like if you if you drive to a job interview and you've never been there, you're paying attention to everything. And then the next time you drive, it seems to be a little quicker. And then the next is just, it's not as novel. And so it's almost like our brain codes the time even differently. So of course, if you're making decisions the past being familiar, it's less work for your brain to do. And the future being this black box of uncertainty, of course, it's going to have a different reaction to that. Some people find it very exciting and some people find it very fearful. Fear and excitement are actually, you know, kind of resonant the same way. When you think about the way fear and excitement feel in your body, they're very similar. That's why people love haunted houses, for example. So being that we're familiar and maybe more comfortable with our past and the future seems uncertain, 
it may be that, yes, you are attracted to certain politicians that evoke a certain past picture of the world that seems familiar and preferred to you. When you think about in your work with your business or if you work for somebody else, do you find that you connect more with people who are similar in age as much as other factors? One of the things that I teach quite often is the joy and utility of having multi-generational networks and friendships, in part because it breaks that past is familiar. You get different perspectives when you have people with different reminiscence bumps and you get different stories. It's very interesting to think about in the workplace or in your social life who you might tend to connect with and does a shared reminiscence bump contribute to that. Whether maybe it's decisions about health and well-being and and do you have certain thought associations with certain foods? I was watching American Horror Story Apocalypse and there was one of the characters said you know, we paid all this money to be in the bunker and we can't even find a single bag of pirate booty. And I kind of laughed and I noticed I heard in my mind this thought, wait, pirate booty, that's like kids foods. But thinking, oh, the person, this character in the show when it was filmed, like that was a snack for her the same way it was a snack for my three-year-old. So even pirate booty as a snack food probably appeals to people who are in a certain reminiscence bump. I think it influences decisions about what we open to as we age. If we're, you know, at this point in our life that the researchers notice that we go to a point where we start to almost relive in this 10 to 30 year old time period, does it close you off to new inputs does it close you off to different ideas? I don't necessarily think that's a problem. I mean, nothing's a problem if you're aware and choosing and know the consequences it creates for you and, and the people you care about. But it it is very interesting, this idea of the reminiscence bump and kind of, you know, the good old days might have you giving a bias to the past more than seeing the present or the future as just as good, if not better, when you are aging. And then, of course, it, when you're ve feeling very stressed out, do you compare yourself to certain versions of your past? Or even not when you're stressed out, even just goal setting. I can't tell you how many times I've heard or been in conversations where people have said, I just want to be at the weight I was in high school or da-da-da-da, high school, da-da-da-da high school or da -da college, I think that can amplify a sense of stress when we think that back there was better because chances are in the moment you were probably not thinking it was, you know, you weren't just blissed out constantly. I think our memories do have a way of shaving off or smoothing down the uncomfortable bits. Now, let's have fun with our reminiscence bumps how can you use your bumps for fun? Well, I think you can use this being nostalgic as a mood boost, just like that 80s rabbit hole. Now, my kids are pretty conversant in 80s music and 90s music. One of my son's, his favorite band is Cake. We like to share that as a family, our various 
reminiscence bumps. That can bring a lot of fun into your relationships. So if you have a multi-generational family, celebrate the different nostalgias. I love talking to my grandmother. She's in her 90s. I love calling her and getting on the phone and hearing her talk about different time periods and her best time period, the one that comes up most often in conversation is she'll talk about raising her kids when her kids were young. So her 20s. And there's just so much joy in reminiscing. And it it just, oh, it's just such a beautiful way to connect. We have so much fun with that. And then with my kids, you know, I appreciate the art and the marketing of Taylor Swift. And yet, like my kids generation who grew up with her. She is a key part of their reminiscence bump. And I can appreciate it. And I don't think Taylor Swift will ever meet as much to me as it does to somebody who's 18. And her music was part of that time period in their life. But it's a way to relate to them. I look for ways when I'm wanting to just connect real playfully with people who are younger, I love asking them about their reminiscence bumps. Now, I don't use that phrase because they wouldn't talk to me, but I'll give a random example. Just a few days ago, there was someone helping me at the grocery store and we ended up talking about music and he was like, yeah, I love so like all these bands and people I've never heard of, but it was really fun to connect me, the 51-year-old woman, with the person at the grocery store who's probably... 30 years at least younger than me, and, you know, get him talking about what's in his reminiscence bump. So you can use these bumps for fun as a way to connect to people older than you, younger than you, and even if you need a mood boost or you need a way to re-energize yourself, turning on the music from when you were 16 can transport you mentally back to that place And you might find that it gives you a boost to energy. After doing this research on the reminiscence bump, maybe when I'm feeling a little low, like a little meh, a little bummed out, or even just energetically low, maybe I could use that as a strategy. Just pull up some Wham or some Pat Benatar and we can uh, give me a little mood boost there. So I hope you found that really interesting, learning about the reminiscence bump thinking about ways it influences your decisions, and how to use the bumps for fun. I love that we can use this scientific principle to minimize our stress, be more intentional in our life, and have a lot more fun. Now, what about you? Maybe you notice an obvious relationship with your own reminiscence bump, that time when you were 10 to 30-ish, and nostalgia, how you Are you really nostalgic? Are you less so? Maybe you could be more intentional about seeing where it, you know, contracts or inhibits your thinking. Maybe it makes you more fearful or uncertain about the future. Or is there a way that you could use your reminiscence bump to to be aware and maybe even be more expansive in your decision making, in your vision of the future? and in your relationships. It's just fact. We are more impressionable during certain phases of our life because they're new impressions. And what we learn first 
can be an anchor in our mind. And that's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just neutral. I think when we learn more about how our minds work and how it even shows up in social conversations like politics, I think we can then use it to our advantage. We can be more informed about ourselves and the systems and societies and communities that we're in. I hope you have fun connecting to your reminiscence bump and maybe even seeing being a detective of how you see the reminiscence bump show up in different conversations, even news stories. It's fascinating when you look at the world with this as one of your lenses. This has been so much fun. I'm going to close out, but if you need me, I'm just going to be dancing in my love shack, baby. Until next time. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review wherever you listen. This will help other listeners find the show and bring less stress, more fun out into the world. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next week.